ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to episode two of what we like to call the Brethren Podcast. That's B-R-E-A-D, like bread, because we always talking about that bread and we always about our bread. And when I say we, I also must introduce my fellow brethren, my brethren, Mr. Destrian Wills and Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. This evening. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, first, let's get into a little recap, you know, catch up type deal. Uh, we are getting great feedback on episode one, you know, uh, power circles and strategic partnerships. And uh, one announcement I do want to make is that everybody can now follow the Brethren Podcast on Instagram. You can find us at Brethren Pod. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. And uh, Dr. Loving, where can everybody find anything to do with you? Oh, well, at Adamu Loving on Twitter, um, uh, Adamu Loving on Money, and you on Facebook, um, Dr. Uh, AJ Loving on uh, Instagram. Man, I'm everywhere now, aren't I? I wonder how this happened. Maybe because I uh, exercised um, uh, uh, and leveraged the power circle and came up with a strategic alliance, and there's a brother who has me all over the place. So thank you for that, <laughs> whoever you are. <laughs> yes, yes, 24-8-MMBB. You can find us on all social media at 248-MMBB, and uh, yeah, thank you for that shout-out. We do handle uh, various things for small businesses, nonprofits, and the like. But uh, Destrian, how can people get in touch with you and find you, my brother? Pleasure to be back again tonight. As always, you can find me at DestrianWellsConsulting.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Empower, Engage, Execute, and, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, for all of you who are first-time listeners, because clearly, you know, you did probably, you know, you catch up with us. We only on episode two, so it's a great time to be along for this wonderful ride. Uh, we always, you know, come together and have conversation with cognac or things of the like. So tonight, gentlemen, uh, I am on Woodford Reserve again. Uh, Destrian, what are you on? As always, we're going to, again, keep the party going and have a uh, multicultural experience, so we're going to continue with the uh, the White Hennessy from last week. Yes, yes, Ooh. Dr. Loving. Well, uh, today I'm, I, I, you know, it's it, it, it's a month for for the ladies. It's a uh, it, it, it's Women's History Month, and and we're celebrating all the wonderful things about them. So in that case, I've uh, I've adopted the drink of the ladies' man, Leon Phelps from Saturday Night Live, and so I'm drinking <laughs> Covatier Cognac. <laughs> that is the drink. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I just I just I just love the fact that Dr. Lovin always has a you know, a true background story as to, you know, his drink. Last week it was uh Jack Daniels. Uh this week it is it is paying homage to the ladies man because it's women's history month with the Cofacier <laughs> cognac. But uh, as usual, gentlemen, I want to uh, raise our glasses and propose a toast to a wonderful conversation we're having tonight. Let us embark on this wonderful journey. Cheers. Cheers, Jim. All right. Ah, so let's kick it off. Last week, like I said, we talked about power circles and strategic partnerships. Um, and we did a good job of laying the foundation, you know, of this, you know, the 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 correlation between your personal life and your professional life and how certain things intertwine and can intertwine and taking keys and notes and cues from both to be successful. Um, and tonight we're going to continue that conversation, but in a very different way, we're going to talk about EQ versus IQ. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, like me, EQ is not the equalizer on your audio system. It is the emotional intelligence or emotional quotient. Uh, and that's defined as an individual's ability to identify, evaluate, control, and express emotions. And the IQ, of course, is the intelligent quotient. People have heard of the IQ test, high IQ. Uh, it's a score derived from one of several standardized tests designed to assess an individual's intelligence. So we're going to jump into that. And the first thing I want to do is I'm going to pose, you know, two sides of the coin to my brethren. And we'll start with uh, Destrian. Um, and we're going to phrase it, you know, personal versus professional, like we said. Not necessarily versus, but, you know, the two sides of the coin. And Destrian, DJ, I want you to just kind of, kick it off and um because you know this 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 topic kind of came from you based on some 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 happenings and some occurrences this week um so you know you can definitely bring that point up as well but you want you i would definitely want you to get to the the professional side of you know what's important um 
as far as EQ and IQ in the workplace. And then Dr. Loving will get you to round it out with how it how it applies personally, professionally, if you know what I mean. But go ahead, DJ. Let us know how we, you know what I'm saying, how we came to this. Well, as we, we took a look back, we, we obviously reviewed the podcast from last week, and we certainly appreciate the feedback from the listeners. But as we look to improve upon things, one of the things that, you know, we absolutely had to take a look at was, you know, the, the intelligence quotient or our IQ versus our emotional quotient. We want to make sure that we're creating an enjoyable experience for the listener. And as that conversation began to come about, we began to have the conversation about things that I've been seeing going on in the corporate landscape and the like. And I am seeing a huge shift in terms of how we relay importance and things that we identify as important. And I am seeing that primarily in the emotional intelligence space. Employers essentially look out and they see a talent pool of, uh, of candidates. The requisite skills and the, you know, requisite IQ level will get you an interview, but that's really table stakes or what we would call the price of entry. Everyone has to have it. What's either going to separate those who will land the job or ultimately become leaders is the ability that you talked about earlier to identify with others, to be in control of their own emotions, to engage properly in social settings and functions, and ultimately be able to show empathy and be able to deploy persuasive and influential tactics to show and lead others from a social and emotional standpoint. And that's very different from the skill sets that we've seen in the past. You could come to work, and I think we talked about this last week a bit, ruling with the iron fist. Some people will follow you and some people won't. But in the changing demographic of, of the American workforce, it's going to be critically important that we place a greater emphasis on making sure people of all nationalities and backgrounds, but specifically people that look like us, are getting education and training around emotional intelligence because it is one of the key differentiators of being gainfully employed or woefully unemployed. So, you know, that's kind of how the conversation came about. That's why it's important and relevant. And without belonging too much of the time, I, I'd like to uh, toss it over to Dr. Loving for him to give his assessment on it from a from a personal level. Yeah, and, and so I think uh, it goes back to the old adage of, you know, people, and they say that yeah, I've heard this a ton of times as a speaker. People, as, a, um, as, as a speaker, people will say, hey, you know, people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel, right? And that's what emotional intelligence and, and having an EQ is about. It's about being able to read a room, being able to think about somebody besides yourself, and, and also having a uh, self-reflection to think about yourself and how you are being perceived, right? So being able to run, run through an equation, that's something I teach a lot of times in the class, you know, I, I'll teach you time value of money. I'll teach you how to manage a corporation's fund so that it doesn't go broke while it's trying to produce what it's going to produce. And I'll talk to you about how we might prioritize projects, right? Those are all tasks that you're going to need an intelligence quotient to be able to say, okay, this is how, um, this is how risky this project is. This is how potentially profitable this project is. It ranks over that project, and that's great. But if you're going to be a finance professional, you need to be able to communicate that information in a way that's going to be acceptable to all of the different stakeholders in the business and doesn't alienate folks that are going to be necessary and important team members for you, right? You have to be able to talk to folks in a way that's going to be um, effective in conveying the information and, and letting people understand why the decisions are going the way that they are. But you also have to walk up out that bad boy with everybody understanding that this wasn't this wasn't personal. This came from a place of analysis, and also I care about how you feel because at the end of the day, I want you at your best. And with all of the other stuff going, you know, we can have the care of everybody being at their best, but we also have the fix of workplace shootings and folks being crazy, right there, being able to read a room. And, you know, make sure that even the person that doesn't have it all likes me 
that's one of the things that I'm always about as a professor and as an individual in general. I want everybody to recognize that I mean you no harm, right? And even if I disagree with you and we're going to go in a different way, it's not because I hate you, I want bad things to happen to you, or, uh, you know, I certainly don't want you shooting at me. All right, so the stakes are high, and sometimes higher than we think in terms of managing your own emotions, but also understanding that the emotional equilibrium of everybody in the room might not be where we want it to be, and you need to be able to act accordingly and move with the people around you because, you know, there's some crazy folks out there. <laughs> Just saying. And Dr. Loving, let me jump back in. And, and, and to, to piggyback on what you're saying, one of the key aspects of what you're saying is uh, when we talk about culturally diverse backgrounds for people that are entering the workforce, that is something that you have to think about from a socioeconomic aspect and also from a psychological stand, standpoint. Because you have folks that have not grown up like you who have, you know, been in situations where they're deprived economically or they may be the first in their family to venture out into the corporate arena and the responsibilities that they face or encounter are a lot different than the responsibilities that someone who may have grown up in a home where both parents were corporate or there was a stay-at-home mom and a, and a corporate father or an executive or so on and so forth. And not to paint the picture that that's somehow so rosy because as we know, cor- corporate can be brutal. And it takes a toll on your family just like poverty may. But I think that understanding the variances between the two and being able to intelligently have a conversation is extremely important because there's a lot of typecasting that happens in situations like this. So, again, going back to the changing faces of financial services, when you have those situations, you can create a very hostile workplace for those who feel like for a long time they have been the haves and for those who feel like they have been the have-nots, those competing environments really require a lot. And it definitely goes beyond the intelligence quotient. And that is why employers are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to properly profile candidates. I've seen a, I've seen some of the profiles that we do at my organization, and it's similar to the things that the FBI does in terms of profiling. They they really get into the core of how you think. So many questions are asked on a repetitive basis that you may feel like you're cheating the test or answering the question the same way, but it shows habits, it shows bias, it shows unconscious bias, and I think these things are important because. You know, human resources needs to know who's in the building for the precise reason that Dr. Loving spoke about earlier, workplace shootings, uh, the lack thereof, emotional intelligence for individuals just in the larger society to be able to properly go out, engage, and, and act with their fellow human. The workplace is much more encapsulated than that. And as he said, it poses a high risk, a very high risk for improper improper action inside the workplace to become a tragedy very quickly if we don't identify properly the folks we're bringing in, if we don't train and educate on cultural diversity, and last but not least, if you're not a true champion of diversity in your organization, you're putting all your employees in some form of risk because, again, we can't – people don't know what they don't know, and you can't talk about what you don't understand. So uh, you, you made great you made great points there, but I just wanted to highlight that. So yeah. both of you all, you know, you know, broke it down into a a very scientific way, and I'm gonna try to bring it in layman's terms because, like I said, these two uh, highly educated people knew what both EQ and IQ were, was <laughs> and is. I thought EQ was equalizer, but um, you all brought up the the good points of you know the abilities that 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 both entail, um. And just in terms of IQ, you know, it's the ability to learn, understand, and apply information to skills like what Dr. Ajama was saying is you teach formulas and patterns and, and, and methods to people, and they can, you know, as long as you learn it and you know it and understand it, you can apply it to do, you know, analytics and, 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 and create and do certain tasks, connect the dots, and do research and development. But as far as on the emotional intelligence on the EQ side, it's the ability to to identify, evaluate, control, and express emotions for yourself 
and also be able to perceive and assess other people's emotions and use those emotions to facilitate thinking and understanding emotional meanings. It's, it's almost like what we talked about with that, with that power circle and defining phenomena and making it act in the desired manner. So someone of high emotional intelligence is able to identify other people's as well as their own, their emotions, and then take those emotions and make that person or themselves act or react in a desired manner. Um, so I definitely want to pose a question to you both now um, is some different ways that you know that people can, you know, for one, recognize what they're doing. Like, of course, with the IQ, there's IQ tests. Um, and then with EQ, like you said, there are tests, you know, organizational tests and HR tests that people do, you know, to, to, that are based on emotional competencies. But um, just some personal ways that you all both know, maybe on the personal and professional side, that you can improve on that. Maybe maybe you don't need, maybe you don't take the test, but you you know, you kind of know in yourself, like, how good am I at, you know, recognizing other people's emotions, recognizing these different um, emotional triggers for other people and as, as, well, as well as myself, and then bettering myself to, you know, act, make it act in a desired manner. And then also with the IQ, of course, IQ, you know, you can go out and, and learn and educate yourself more. But, you know, just kind of speak to that, both of you all, you know, from your different standpoints. And we'll start with Dr. Levin on this one. Um, so in, in terms of... Uh... In terms of your your EQ, number one, I would suggest that uh, you know you you start listening to people, right, and start thinking about how whatever it is that you're saying might be received. And this is one of those things that I think uh, you know. To be honest, black folks in the, the corporate world know that you know we act way different at home than we do at work, right? And so a lot of this can be a lot more of an adjustment for people whose work self is a lot more like their home self, okay? But for us, um, we, uh, we, we know, okay, you talk differently when you're on the phone as a, uh, as a professional, you know? Sometimes, sometimes the tone gets a little nasally. You do things on purpose, right, to make yourself uh, more acceptable into uh, into the work environment, and you know you're doing it, right? You know you consciously do this, okay? But I will say, even with this, I've seen among black folks, you know, you start you start to get hot headed about certain situations sometimes, and you know, I'm one of these people. I uh, <laughs> I welcome criticism, sort of, right? I understand that it's necessary, right? But there's always a little piece of me that takes it personally, okay? And so I try to make sure that in terms of what I'm projecting and how other people might be seeing me receiving their criticism, I don't want them to feel like, you know, they can't say what's on their mind, right? So I, you, you got you to gotta just sort of breathe. I would say that's, that's one thing is just <clears> – <throat> Sort of breathe and be comfortable, and here's the other part. And I think in terms of in terms of how people see you, and this is tough for some folks, man, because you know they talk in the Bible about uh, about the tame in the tongue, but sometimes tame in the face. That's the tougher part, boy. You when you're listening to somebody saying something about you, and you're trying to look like you're not getting mad, but you really body are language. getting upset about it. <laughs> body language. Man, you fold your arms. You like you know. Uh, in your mind, you're thinking, man, I, I, I almost want to smack this person, right? Because there are certain things that people will say to you in a corporate environment, honestly, and, and certain ways that folks that will project themselves as though, you know, as though they're tougher than they actually are. And you have to check yourself and just make sure that you don't, you know, you don't get fired for smacking somebody because they, they, um, they asserted themselves in a way that somebody told them in a business meeting, this is how you, you tell people and get them to understand that you mean what you're saying, and they stand up and wave their hands and stuff like that. You're like, man, this, you know, you, you feel like you, you like you at Club 559. I don't know if you – that's an old, that's an old <laughs> Atlanta reference. No more 559. <laughs> If you ain't ever listened to Kilo Ali, then you don't know what 559 is. <laughs> right, you got that feeling like, man, you you you, feel, you seem awfully out of pocket right now, and you <laughs> might end up getting knocked out. And so 
you have to recognize you got to recognize your environment. You have to calm down, okay? And and so whether it's whether it's negative information being received or whether you have to deliver some information, I think the the thing is to to get out of yourself. Um, you know, we say this all the time. People are, are more important than things, and so you, I think you know why I rest in terms of EQ versus IQ. Both extraordinarily important, but I'm always going to lean to the side that says, hey, let's recognize what's going on with the people for two reasons. Number one, um, the, the, the people can be your greatest source of, of trouble or bad things can happen, like we talked about the potential uh, shootings, but also in terms of positivity and productivity, man, people can help you in ways that a new computer system or even the most analytical um, um, person that can help you de- decipher a problem that's one thing, but helping you make that next sale or um, open up a new market and or imagine things, these are things that machines can't do. These are things that even if you're the most analytical person in the world, you might not be able to do because sometimes it's about how you make a potential client feel, okay? And so recognize the value that you bring to the table, and maybe that could be another thing that we talk about a little bit, but the value of the emotional um, in, intelligence that you deal with and, and how you can use that and how, how you can leverage it going forward. But I think that it's important for, for people um, to, to recognize that both are important, right, and start to do things, um, especially the people who are um, highly intelligent but not necessarily as emotionally aware, and you do things that offend people, and you're not doing it intentionally. You're doing it because you are coming from a self-centered frame of reference, and you're thinking about you. You're not thinking about how somebody else is receiving what it is that you're putting out. And I think people who are naturally emotionally intelligent tend to do that, and it's something that you, the first step is that, is that you got to be aware of it. Okay, so I'll let Destry go because I know I've been talking too much on that. But. Well, well, real quick, DJ, before you start, because you brought up a great point, and I definitely want DJ to kind of tie this in and 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 bring it with him. Mm-hmm. Is um, I want I want you to you know tie it and bring it bring it bring it home with this is you know Dr. Loving kind of just you know this is a very EQ heavy conversation because IQ is very straightforward, right? It's you know everybody knows about it, everybody's heard about it, everybody knows you know people with high IQs, Einstein, savant people, you know just geniuses. We call them geniuses. IQ is the way that we measure it because it's you know it's very standard. You take a test, you can say you got such and such IQ, and we know what that is, and you know how to improve it. You know how to you know what it, everybody really knows is very common. But as far as EQ and and DJ, this is what I want to post you as far as, you know, that professional side is, you know, how how severe is the lack of EQ in the workplace and people's um, not acceptance of it, but knowledge of it? Just because I, I, I noticed that, you know, a lot of leaders, good leaders, team players, and people, you know, who are, who are good at, you know, being in, in leadership roles and positions have a high emotional intelligence in most cases. Now, we do know in some, in some spots people get to places based on, who they know and not what they know. And when we talk about the what they know, we often think it may be in terms of IQ, but you know, I wanna I wanna frame it as to forms as what you know being that emotional intelligence because if you have high emotional intelligence and you know the right people, you can definitely make it to the top. So I definitely want to throw that your way is just the lack of uh, you know, emotional intelligence in the workplace and just how important and valuable it is to get you to that next level. Man, I think that's outstanding, uh, and I think it was laid out very well by Dr. Loving. Uh, be- before I jump in there, let me just say this. You know, this is a challenge to to many of the listeners that are out there. What Dr. Loving highlighted is a uh, we ha- we certainly have gaps in higher education. We don't have a lot of Dr. Lovings out there. Um, and, and, again, you know, being the first African-American male Ph.D. in personal finance, he's he's a trailblazer. And he's charting the way for a lot of folks in that regard. But it's 2019, and when you really think about that, we oftentimes talk about you can't see. (laughs) Well, you can't be what you can't see. That's critically important. You know, how many folks even know that there are careers or extenuating careers in certain industries that they can tap into? So that's something that we need to address. So one of my challenges is to all of our listeners out there that may be in the corporate arena, 
you know, go back to your university, be it, you know, if, if you're a woman in corporate America, you figured out a niche, go out and help other young ladies chart a new, new, uh, new, new path and a path forward in that arena. To all my brothers out there, get out there and, and lift somebody else up. Don't forget about doing that. And then to, um, again, to, to the broader population, to, uh, I have a lot of constituents uh, of Caucasian European descent who are highly supportive of my efforts in terms of going to schools, talking to them about these things, and they show up with me. So it shouldn't be lost that you have partners, and we, we talked a little bit about that before, about having those strategic partnerships. EQ requires that you have it. EQ says that you do. And, you know, what you were asking me, just to give it to you very directly, in my personal opinion, and it's just mine, emotional intelligence is the most critically important transferable skill that any candidate entering into the workforce can have. Again, we talked about the fact that companies are investing heavily in it. Okay, this is a part of weeding you out in the screening process. For forget what your mom named you or what have you. You can put two two letters and a last name on a resume and get beyond that. But when you sit down to take that test to see how you respond to conflict, at some point your natural reactions kick in. So we have to get back in front of kids and young people, young adults early before they enter into the workforce and have them understand how they're being evaluated. It's no more than what uh, some would term uh, what was it uh, in Blue Chips, Dr. Loving, uh, Leon DeBose said that I don't take those tests because they're culturally racist or, or something along those lines. <laughs> now, he would have gotten points for putting his name on the test, but he just decided not to take it because he felt like it didn't represent who he was. We have to get beyond thinking that everything is going to represent who we are. Is it fair? No. But once you learn the rules of engagement, you are now responsible for how you play. So here's a, here's a few indicators on how you play. Understanding that people in key leadership positions now have the, I would say, the, not the requisite skills, but they are being required to be more emotionally intelligent and culturally responsive. We've seen great blunders but you also see great repercussions. Those repercussions weren't there in the past. Buying power in the African-American community is at an all-time high. And we spend more money per capita than some countries. So when someone offends you or someone does something to you, with society at large, social media, et cetera, you're able to respond to it in ways that you never have. But you also need to be able to respond when it's time for you to have an examination and to show up well on documentation. Here's how you do it. Number one, there is a test called a Myers-Briggs Leadership Assessment. Most colleges and universities don't talk about this until their folks are getting ready to graduate. This should be something that's talked about freshman year. It probably should be talked about in high school. This gives you an idea of how you lead and what things bother you or you're not comfortable with dealing with. If your teacher or professor understands that, they can work and develop you. You may not be a finished product coming into corporate, but you could most certainly be more prepared. And you would be able to speak to that experience or evolution of growth to show someone that you've moved from point A to point B because what do people want? They want trainable and repeatable type people, okay? That's, that's called safety. Now, another thing that you have is you need to understand that data analytics is now, it's not just happening on profits and assets, it's happening on human capital. So we evaluate human capital the same way we evaluate money. What's our risk aversion? You know, what's the standard deviation of your performance relative to another employee's performance? And we're going to do those things in several ways. But one way you can quickly get to a place of mutual benefit with your manager or senior leader, most people learn in three ways. is audio, visual, and kinesthetic. If I'm an audio learner, obviously I need to hear you. I need to hear you say it. 
if I'm a visual person, I might need you to go to the whiteboard. It really doesn't matter how much you talk. I need to see it. So at some point, we're going to have to go live with this podcast because we're missing some people that need to see it. But here's the piece that we often miss. It's the kinesthetic. We are in an environment where there are more fillers in the workplace than there's ever been. Kinesthetic is a filler. Someone needs to hear and see you present information in a way that says, I feel and understand where you're coming from. And we miss that opportunity a lot. But the person that is in that place is also at a disadvantage because most leaders are used to communicating with audio and visual. What closes that gap? It's called relationships. Nothing is more important than the relationship, be it corporate or otherwise. The relationship determines it all. It determines who gets the resources and investment to correct those changes versus that person that's out the door. It also determines the person who has the opportunity to make a misstep and then have a teachable moment as opposed to a person that has a fireball uh, offense. So keeping those things in mind are critically important. And the final thing is Dr. Loving brought this up, work self versus home self. I think that it's critically important to understand one thing. If our listeners don't take anything away except this, some things are not your fault, but it's still your problem. And if you are, unfortunately, an African-American in the workplace, it is not your fault that you may need to change your cadence, your approach, or your pitch, but it is your problem. And how you deal with that problem is going to define how successful you are. A lot of us have the impression that if we change the way we speak, we've somehow changed who we are. I'm here to tell everyone that feels that way that that's a misnomer. I am authentic in every way when I walk through the door at my office, and everyone knows it. But I'm also respected because I perform. Once you have performed for an extended period of time, you are then able to break down some of those barriers so that the people that are coming behind you don't have to experience that it's not their fault, but it's still their problem syndrome. So again, just a challenge to the listeners to be involved, get out, get active, and help spread this message around the fact that we need to be more emotionally intelligent and culturally responsive on all sides of the table. But specifically for us, we have to be ready to engage and execute on things that are not favorable to us and show that we have the capacity to lead because those are leadership qualities. And, and I want to just jump in real quick uh, because when you talk about these things, a lot of times people just think, oh, well, you know, this is the, this, this is just the softer side of this and that, and there's, you know, there's no real reason for it, but actually there is. Research shows that companies that are uh, are diverse in terms of gender and not at the bottom, I mean at the top decision-making roles that, that are diverse in terms of gender and ethnicity are more um, profitable than companies that aren't diverse. And, in fact, companies that are the least diverse end up falling towards the end in terms of productivity and profitability as compared to those more um, diverse companies. So that diversity part of it is something that pays and is important and is relevant, okay, because all companies care about uh, being profitable. So you can do you can do well and do good too. Okay. So those those two things um, can can work hand in hand. But a lot of how well we can work together with people who are different than us is dependent on, upon emotional um, intelligence. Because uh, the people by virtue of the fact that they were able to get in the door, a lot of times that lets you know they're smart enough. Now, the fact that there are people who might have a question in their mind like, well, he's black, so does that mean they just let him in? So you're already showing a potential lack of emotional intelligence because most of the time, in order to even be in the room, you've had to show enough 
um, enough general intelligence in, in order to get there, or at least decent enough grades and your ability to master the, the material, the finance, or whatever industry that you're in, right? And so how well we're going to blend together and be able to work together to go forward and actually get something accomplished in many cases is going to be about whether or not we can work with one another, trust one another, uh, focus on the problem together, push our collective selves towards uh, making something special happen. Those things only that, that can only really um, – uh, you can only really foster that environment in a group of people who have some level of emotional intelligence and can work with one another and get past, you know, the, the little skirmishes that are automatically going to come up here and there. And also, you know, recognize that, again, I, I say it a lot, but people are more important than things. That human engagement and what these people bring to the table is going to be more productive than any new technology any new system that they bring in, any new machine they bring in, there is nothing that can that can replace the individual. And the individual that's working with under other individuals, those the, those people can really do some special things in terms of the productivity of a company, productivity of a church, productivity of a family, productivity of literally anything, right? And so. Um, if you are neglecting, um, you know, it, to, to think about emotions, how you're being perceived, how, um, how you are actually feeling about what's happening to you and how that might be altering your behavior, because a lot of times people's feelings will get hurt, and this is an important thing to think about now. A lot of times somebody's feelings will get hurt, and they'll cut off a person that's a productive member of the team because they don't like this individual. And rather than address what's making them feel a certain way and maybe talking to the person, an individual might not have even meant anything about it, but you're going to cut off your own nose to spite your face because somebody made you feel bad. Because they, <clears throat> they, they talked to Rhonda a certain way and they didn't tell you about where they went on vacation. And so you, you, you hurt by this, and rather than deal with that, your decision is to cut them out the next project. Big problem. Yeah, and I, I, I like the way you, you framed it in a way is the IQ gets you in the door and the EQ keeps you in, you know, keeps you in. The IQ gets you in, the EQ keeps you in. And I also want to point out the fact that when, when, when DJ, when he when he says perform, we ain't talking about tap dancing, so I want to, I want to replace the word perform with produce. So like DJ was saying, you know, when you're, when you're producing, you know, they they have they respect you because you're producing. I don't want, you know, I don't want people to, you know, take that word as like, oh, DJ talking about performing for the man, the corporation. No, 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 no. We talking about production because once you've given them what they need, you get what you need, which is respect. Um, yeah, you know, on, along those lines, I, I think that's uh that's important to highlight, but. I think anyone that that knows me personally knows that that would never be an issue at all. But you you said something, and Doctor Loving said something that I think is 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 really key. There is a book called "What Got You There Won't Get You There," and if you really focus on what those words mean, it talks about the fact that yeah, IQ will get you the job, but in order to get to where you really want to go there's a completely different set of skills that you have to master and develop. And again, going back to relationships, there's nothing more important than it because it's going to determine if you get the opportunity to get the resources. And you have to, in your words, uh, AJ, you have to produce. You most certainly have to produce. So great, great point. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I just want to bring up these six uh, keys of emotional intelligence that I've run across and I've, I've, I've actually, while you all have been talking, been doing my own personal research, you know, to, to you know, increase my uh, intelligence on the subject matter at hand overall, emotionally and intellectually. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, this, uh, this, these, these six uh, keys have constantly come up, you know, over and over again in multiple uh, articles and references that I found. And it's the keys of emotional intelligence, the things that it helps to do. Um, and one being increased team performance, uh, decreased occupational stress, improves decision, make, 
improves decision making, reduce staff turnover, increase personal well-being, and increase leadership ability. And I just want to, you know, commend both of you all for speaking on this on this subject matter very openly and 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 basically hitting all six of these points. And you know, I want everybody to understand it. You know, everybody speaking from you know personal experience, personal and professional experience, and you know these six keys that I've you know found over and over again have resonated throughout this conversation on more on more times than 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 most. And you know, I just wanted to you know bring those up you know as you know kind of like the six key points. We didn't intentionally do that, but they did come up. So I'll go over them again. Once again, it's increased team performance, decreased occupational stress, improved decision making, reduced staff turnover, increased personal well-being, and increased leadership ability. So, you know, to kind of round out the conversation and to kind of close it out, um, you know, as far as Dr. Levin, you first mentioned out one of the keys to emotional intelligence is being able to listen. You know, if you want to, if you want to start off, you know, bettering yourself as far as your EQ in the workplace and in general and relationships in general is listening, understanding the quality and the, and the, and the value of listening to people and then awareness, being aware of people's emotions, people's uh, reactions to things, um, just, you know, in general, just being aware of yourself as well, not just other people. Because if you know that you, like Dr. Levin, like you said, your body language, if you're aware of your body language, then you can fix it. But if you're not, then there's nothing you can do about it. You know, so listening and awareness and just being truthful. A lot of times, like 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 you both said, is having a conversation with somebody can 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 iron out a lot of this. And you know, on an emotional level, it helps personally and professionally. Is once you listen to things and you're aware of how you and the other person are reacting to what you're listening to and what you're saying, what they're saying, and then being truthful about how it affects you and not being able to take things personally all the time. I think it does wonders on an emotional intelligence level to get some of these key. Uh, these six key points going as far as increased personal well-being, increasing uh, team performance, whether we're talking about a relationship, uh, personal or, you know, workplace, improving your decision-making, yours and uh, and others, and just rallying around the effort. And, you know, so I definitely want both of you all to kind of close out and kind of wrap up, you know, in your own ways on, you know, we talked about how to improve it, uh, but how do you, how do, how do, how do you, you know, the tips on applying, you know, you know, what you're learning as you're learning, how to apply it, you know, maybe some, some, some role playing, you know, in, in the world of sales, you know, we do a lot of uh, role plays where, you know, somebody's the customer, you know, somebody's the, the salesperson and you role play, overcome objections and things of that nature. But in terms of emotional intelligence, once you've gotten down some of these ways to improve on it, listening and being aware and telling the truth, how do you, you know, you apply and practice to become a better, pe a better people person, which in essence is, you know, being someone of high emotional intelligence. And we'll start with you, Dr. Lovin. And, and it, it, in this, um, in this uh, month where we honor women, I, I want to at least make sure that we put this out here. This is this is their specialty, all right. Um, and I've, I've got a I've got a wife and I've got a daughter, and she's seven. And I will tell you, she will she is so perceptive, right? She in ways that little boys are not. Okay, she reads my my face when I'm listening to a story. She'll say, "Daddy made this ridiculous face," or. Like she she thinks about how I'm receiving information. She and her friends. It's not just about what was said or the the literal meaning of anything. It's about you know how uh, she seemed happy or she seemed sad or she seemed and it's it's interesting to watch little girls talk and it's interesting to watch women because they know how to they are so um, they are so experienced and dealing with emotion just because of how they socialize with one another. And when uh, Destrian brought up the, the kinesthetics of things in terms of, in terms of just touch that, you know, guys, like you can say all kinds of things to one another, and then it doesn't register till somebody gets smacked upside the head, right? Well, that's not how we deal with one another in business and in civilized society. It's about how we can work together to be productive, and that's why so much of the research is showing that having women around is making companies more productive and having them in decision-making roles is making companies more productive. And it really, I think a lot of it is about the emotional intelligence that they bring, the thing that, that they, the empathy that they bring, that they say, okay, well, it's not 
about me. It's about how somebody else might see things, right? And so I would say if you're a guy and you're in business and you're wondering, hey, how do I fare when it comes to this emotional intelligence, talk to your mom, talk to your sisters, talk to women who are successful around you and ask them, like, how do you perceive me? How do, you know, how do I present myself? Am I an open person? Do I present myself uh, like a leader? And I think that you might, not, uh, no, I don't think that you might, I think that you will, whatever it is, because once you open, open yourself up like this, <laughs> you know, women will, once they feel comfortable with you, they're going to let you know how they feel about how you make them feel. And trust me, they know. They all they know how every person makes them feel. They're so in touch with their feelings. And we as men, we gotta get better about this. This gentleman, that's a martial artist out of Detroit, Jason Wilson, I believe his name is. He wrote a book called Cry Like a Man. He he, he teaches young men about the uh, importance of recognizing emotions, being able to cry, being able to be sad, but being able. So also, he's a martial artist, okay? He teaches, uh, he teaches grappling and punching and all this, and he teaches you, you you react to what it is that you need to react in the appropriate manner. You act in a way that's going to be productive to get you ahead after acknowledging the way that someone's either tried to diminish you or hurt you or make you feel bad. Okay, that's fine. But what do I do? What's the thing that I, what's the next thing that I do? And be intentional about those things. And emotional intelligence is about understanding. Those emotions come, right? And you have to deal with them in a way that's going to be effective for you. And I'm not saying that every woman deals with their emotions perfectly either. They they got penitentiaries filled with women too. Okay, so I was just directionally saying that they might be able to help that women might be able to help you with this, and, and women tend to be great at this, but not every woman is a master in terms of emotional intelligence either. So I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, okay? But if, if, if you are wanting, if you're wondering, hey, I'm a smart person, why is it that I'm not being able to get the things that this person or that person has got? Maybe, just maybe, you have neglected to think about how people feel when you do whatever it is that you do, when you say what you, you're going to say, when you lead, how you're going to lead, when you, put, when you start a speech, when you talk to people, you, maybe you've neglected to think about that. And you've got all of the requisite facts in there, but you don't have the feels in there. And so you need to start thinking about it. That's the first step, always to start at least thinking about what your deficits may be and then start to address them with uh, concrete action in terms of listening better, in terms of watching people's um, faces and body language, in terms of watching your own face, your own body language, in terms of thinking about how you can use verbiage that's more, um, that's more inclusive and appropriate and less standoffish, right, and doing things that, help you acknowledge or help you uh, help other people realize that you value them. Because if people are listening to you and working with you and they understand that you believe people are more important than things, then, man, you'll have some folks that might that will be ready to run through a brick wall for you. Any of us that have ever played sports and had that right coach that knew how to talk to you and get you ready to go, he might, you know, that, that's what it's about. You know, every coach can tell you the amount of weight to lift and the amount of uh, miles to run and the amount of exercise to do, but it's that person that knows how to, to, to say those things to you to make you feel like this is important and you're ready to put it all out there and you're going to push like you've never pushed before. And we're all going to be proud of you. You're going to be proud of you. We're going to do things we've never done before. We're going to reach heights we've never reached before, and we're all going there. We're going there together because we care about one another, and we're willing to push, and we've got what it takes. Man, that person will have you ready to run through a brick wall. And that's the type of impact that you can have, should you choose, if you master this skill set and start to think about people besides yourself. 
All right, go ahead, Destry, and I don't want to talk too long. Well, listen, at the end of the day, regardless of vocation, career, trade, improving this one skill will allow you to improve your quality of life as well as your income. So you talked about doing good while making money. This is, this is it. This is the key. It can improve your quality of life as well as your income. Not to mention, this is transformative as it relates to people who are stuck in this good phase, just really good. They're trying to figure out how they have that breakthrough to be great. Put someone else before yourself. When you were talking, I thought about something. I thought about the difference between managers and leaders, Dr. Levin. You said someone I've run through a brick wall for. I've had very few managers that I would run anywhere for, but I've had leaders that I would. And I I don't want to say those things are mutually exclusive. Some of my managers have been great leaders, but it wasn't the fact that they were my manager that would have me run through that wall. It's the fact that they had an ability to lead, both men and women. Leaders solve problems for other people. That's what they do. So if you are a person that is constantly bringing a problem to the table, one of the ways to become a more solution-oriented person, exercise more emotional intelligence. I close with saying that this is a life skill more so than anything else. Your quality of life improves. Your income goes up. Take the time. Invest in it by reading. Invest in it by doing a lot of the things that have been suggested by Dr. Lovett. Find someone in your office or building. Find a woman that has properly matriculated and exercised her emotional intelligence to find a seat at the leadership table because I can promise you she can have, she's going to have some stories to tell you that you may be impressed by. Find that diverse male or female that has a seat at the leadership table. Find out their story, not the one that's in their bio online. Find out about them. What did they have to overcome? It's probably very similar to what you're going through. And before you tap out, you're going to want to tap into that genius that they might be able to impart on you. Um, and, And then finally, AJ, what I would say is this. We are in a, we're in a place, not only in this country, but in the corporate arena, change is being demanded by a group of people that will not be ignored. You're either going to develop the transferable skills that are going to allow you to be a part of the conversation, or you won't be part of the conversation at all. You will cease to exist. IQ gets you there. Emotional intelligence will take you where it is you want to be. So um, that's that's all I got, man. I just want to... I just want to thank both of y'all as usual for, you know, embarking on this journey with me. And I want to close out with my final thoughts as, you know, this this will be my thing. But, DJ, you said something right at the end that is just a, a, a beautiful mantra that I think everybody should write down and go by. And you said before you tap out, tap in. Before you're ready to give up in whatever realm you're using your emotional intelligence or trying to use it for or become better at, Tap into someone that may be going through a similar situation and learn what they did to keep themselves. Because like DJ said, I guarantee that they were at that same point that you're at where they were about to tap out and they either tapped into themselves and figured it out or they tapped into someone else. So what you got to do is before you tap out, tap in. And remember that the IQ gets you in the door and your EQ keeps you in the door. And uh, just listen, be aware and be truthful in improving your emotional intelligence to make yourself and your workplace and your teammates and your relationships, everything better. You know, it's ultimately important. So, you know, IQ is very easy to increase. You know, you go read some books, take some tests, learn some formulas. You can be very analytical. So if you want to be analytics all day long, go ahead. Get your IQ up. 
But remember, once you become that analytic person, that EQ is what's going to get everybody to rally around what you want. It's what's going to be able to create those power circles and those strategic partnerships. That emotional intelligence is what's going to be able to take you to be able to define that phenomena and make it act in a desired manner. See how I pulled that all together. But once again, I want to thank you all gentlemen for embarking on this journey again. So we always like to end it with a cheer. So raise your glasses, gentlemen. To everybody, you know, improving and increasing their emotional intelligence to, you know, better themselves in the workplace, creating that team, those strategic partnerships and power circles, and ultimately learning before that they tap out to always tap into either themselves or someone else. So cheers to doing better. And this has been another rousing rendition of the Brethren Podcast, Episode 2. I am A.J. Woodson. Dr. Loving, close us out. And then, D.J., close us out with your final remarks and where the people can find you. Um, well, but I, I think that, uh, that we really covered this topic. Um, and, and, and I hope that people will, will take heed. Um, I think that the most powerful thing that, uh, that, that you have as a business person, as, as an individual is that impression that, that you leave on them, the way that you make them feel. Matter of fact, one day when they throw dirt on you at your funeral, when you're gone, the only thing that's really going to last forever is the way that you impacted all of those people whose lives you touched while you were living. And what's going to be lasting with them is that warmth of cold or coldness that you left them with, right, that feeling. That, that you left them with. And, and if you're a person that's not being conscious of that, that feeling that, that, that you're impressing upon individuals, well, well hey, let this be a wake-up call for you to start thinking about that, right? And, 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 and it's going to be a positive impact on your life when you start considering these things, right? And if you're a person that, that has been doing it and you haven't gotten the rewards that, that, that you think you, you, you deserve yet, Hey, your time is coming, right? You keep doing the right things and start preparing yourself and filling your toolbox with the with the skills that are going to make you more competent. And you keep treating people well, and you're going to get that opportunity, and you're going to have the people around you who are willing to run through that brick wall for you and help you strike when your opportunity comes. All right. So the important thing is. Hey, don't don't get weary in doing well, all right? Just keep focusing them and keep moving forward. And I love you and I'm here for you. And just remember that people are more important than things, and they will always be more important than things. All right, Destrian, you go here, brother. So, man, I tell you, I spoke, uh, I spoke to a group of students a few weeks back about the power of 1%. And I think it – it relates to this because transformational change seems like a lot at one time, but I would just refer you to the power of 1% and what that really could mean for you. So AJ talked about six levers that you could pull in order to effectively make change or focus in on a skill that maybe you could improve as it relates to EQ or IQ. I would just tell you that the power of 1% is the difference between the Titanic hitting that iceberg and avoiding it. And if you really think about how impactful that would be to culture and history, that's how impactful the power of 1% could be to you. So you have to start where you are, you know, and I really want, you know, all the listeners to understand and I want them to just take back the fact that the power of 1%, a 1% course correction, a 1% enhancement in terms of their EQ or their IQ, and really a combination of the two is what's needed. And remember, leaders solve problems. And like we said before, before you tap out, please tap in. Most definitely, most definitely. I, I, I forgot that I, you know, that both of you all always bring a word. So I'm going to raise another cheers to actually 
finally actually close it out. <laughs> so we'll go by key points from the day, you know, if you have been taking notes. And, uh, you know, thank you all once again for the feedback for episode one. And, you know, all we're doing is trying to do, you know, good things and, you know, increase the increase the value of ourselves, our community, and the community at large. So remember, before you tap out, tap in. And if you need to tap into us, we're always available. You can find us at Brethren Pod on Instagram. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, you can also reach out to us individually, Dr. Ajamu Loving on Money and You on Facebook, DrAjamuLoving.com. No. Ajamu11.com, DrAjamu11.com. We probably, uh, actually, you do own that, so we definitely gonna connect that. So you can type in anything you got to do. You type in AJ Loving Ajamu11, DrAjamu11.com. It's gonna come up. We are working on it. Destrian uh, Wells Consulting.com. Empower, engage, execute on Instagram. Two four eight MMBB on Instagram and Facebook and MMBBGW. Dot com. Um, but yeah, before you tap out, tap in. That's how you can reach us. If you need to tap into us, um, the IQ gets you in and the EQ keeps you in. So cheers. We love you all and good night. <laughs>